People don't understand how quick your digital life can be removed from you. If you've ever been your Facebook hacked, it's a shock for most people how Facebook won't help you get it back and you have to rebuild your digital life from zero. And in Web3, it's much more about custodialship. You own it and you're connecting. Hello, I'm Jordana Borenstein and welcome to That's So Meta, a podcast where we will explore all things related to Web3, NFTs, cryptocurrency and the metaverse. Well, metaverses, actually. The goal is to be a bridge between the world we currently live in and this dynamic, fast-paced and fabulous world that's emerging and being created every single day. Through fun interviews with awesome guests and experts, we'll take complex ideas and simplify them in a super light-hearted way. We'll learn together, laugh together, and get far more savvy about everything related to Web3 so that we all feel confident taking a giant step into this wild new world as one. Please note, the discussion and information in this podcast is not financial advice. I repeat, it is not financial advice. It is for entertainment and education purposes only. Joining me today is Darren Rogan a futurist, a Web3 builder, a tech entrepreneur and advisor, a startup investor, and the organizer of the Gold Coast Blockchain Meetup Group. Darren is also the founder of Rogues Lab, which supports startups, scale-ups, and corporates with Web2, Web3, and everything in between. Hello, Darren. So amazing to have you join me today. So let's start off with one of my favorite questions. A simple and fun one. How would you explain Web3 to a five-year-old with your suggestion of Bluey? Bravo for that, by the way. It's a very popular show, another Queensland show. I'm going to keep plugging Queensland while I'm on the call. <laughs> <laughs> and it's great to see Australians on the international stage as well. Bluey has been spectacularly successful across the world. One of the best things to explain would be with physical toys, because we do see NFTs primarily in the mainstream as a collectible. Most of these things People are just solely collecting them like they used to collect Pokemon. You collect your bluey toys and you want to get your collection of those toys. But you know if you're on the playground, you want to know who owns a toy. Anyone can right-click, pick up a toy, but only one person owns that toy. And the blockchain will record ownership of that toy. So it doesn't matter who pretends they own it and they run around and say, look what I've got, look what I've got, this is mine. The reality is on the bottom of that toy will actually be who is the owner of that toy. I actually took my kids to Disneyland about three months ago, Euro Disney, when I was back in Ireland. And there's a pin trading thing in Disneyland. And each of the pins on the back of the pin has got the year it was made, which park it was sold at. And basically the proof of authenticity is stamped on the back of the physical pin, which then gives it more value. And I was watching my daughter like buy these and buy a bag, to put them in and then like put it over her shoulder and walk around Disneyland with these pins of the characters that she really liked. And I think that that is the closest thing that I've seen to a real life NFT. It's literally a bag, which is think of it like your wallet. And in there, you've got your pins, your characters that you're collecting, which sort of is a definition of self. Now, physical pins was actually the closest I've ever seen to the physical representation of a digital asset. They record who traded it, and you can go and you can put in a price that someone else can offer money, and they're physical trading posts in the parks which I thought was amazing. And I'm like, that's an NFT. You just wait. Disney's going to be huge in this. The next Disney yeah. will be Disney. Hey, you heard it here first. Nice quote. I watched your session at CryptoCom and I love how you value your NFTs for the art function rather than the trading aspect. Would you be the minority there? 
a lot of people are flippers. They've seen a bunch of people make money and they come in and they trade, just like people trade stock. And you have day traders and you've got long-term investors. There's none of them which I think are wrong, to be clear. I don't think anyone is bad. But the stats are pretty clear that the average day trader loses money. Like 99% of standard day traders, be it crypto or stock, generally lose cash. I'm more of a long-term holder and look at it like the value of these things will either be very high in five years or it'll be zero. So I'm playing a different game compared to other people. And a lot of people are what I would consider momentum trading, where they see something that's popular and they're jumping in and then they're trying to ride that popularity up and then sail at the top and then move on to the next project. There's nothing wrong with that, but I think you need to understand what your strategy is and what works best for you. That's not me. I don't have enough time because I'm like a builder in the space to actually watch the markets that intently. So that doesn't work for me. So what works for me is just buying what I like and hopefully other people like similar stuff. You have experience in Web 2 and Web 2.5 and Web 3. Can you explain for us very simply the difference? Web 2 is the websites that we all know and use, but primarily the information is held by some large corporate and you log into their service and you are in actual fact just a user and you basically give your intellectual property over to that platform in exchange for free access to their platform. And then they monetize you and they monetize your content. For example, Airbnb is the largest hotelier in the world. It doesn't own a single property. These are the sorts of centralized platforms that bring people together and have allowed sort of social commerce, but it's still managed in that centralized ownership. People don't understand how quick your digital life could be removed from you. If you've ever been your Facebook hacked, It's a shock for most people how Facebook won't help you get it back and you have to Mm. rebuild your digital life from zero. And in Web3, it's much more about custodialship. You own it and you're connecting. So it's your wallet, not held by someone else. And that scares some people. Now, there are some things in the works to try to make that easier. That's like the big push over the next two years is to make wallets and custody and social recovery and all that sort of stuff usable for the mainstream. And in between those two things is like the web 2.5. And that is what I call the adoption wallet. So at the front, it's your standard web 2 login, but at the back, it's all web 3, baby. So that's where you get business mm. at the front, party at the back. Now, the web 3 wallet is sort of... Party. Well, this is a bit of a party. It's high risk, high returns. Anything with a very large return, if you're getting 20% returns, 30%, but that's a lot of risk, you know what I mean? You need to consider the risk of return versus the risk on return. So the risk of return means you get your money back. And the risk of return is how much money you make on the money that you've given them. It's just understanding that there is risk associated by people using your money. This is the same in a bank, like an actual normal bank, folks. You're an unsecured investor as soon as you deposit money. That is not your money anymore. That is the bank's money and you have a claim on them for a certain amount of money. They may not have it. And the reason banks go under is a thing called a bank run because they don't hold cash. They take your money. Logically, they then lend that money out to other people and they have a fractional reserve system means they can lend more money than they have. So if everyone goes to the bank and says, give me back my money, the banks collapse. Okay, So we see bank runs all the time. And if you remember back in 2008, I had a friend who had money in a bank that went under and lost £50,000, got converted into equity, and then that disappeared. And he was a saver. He was a very risk-averse saver who just put it in a bank account, and he still lost his money. So I just want to highlight that there's risk everywhere. And I think some people think that they're much more protected than they actually are. Please note, that was not financial advice. 
Web 2.5 is a logged in user experience that you would normally have, except for I hold your wallet for you as your custodian. So you have a similar experience, but you still have full access to Web 3 world. You have this Web 2, and it's like a bridging because some people aren't ready for managing your own keys and holding your own funds. That's Web 2.5. And I think most people need that bridge. I think that Web 2.5 is probably the majority of new people entering the space in the next couple of years will will come through that way. And they won't necessarily know that they're on Web 3 for a while because I think we need to show the value and then go, da-da, you're actually on Web 3. In your experience, what are the characteristics that define businesses who take that leap into Web3 versus those who don't? I find it's culturally. So you've got people who want to push the barriers to have market differentiation. What can I do to set me apart from my customer base? And then you've got more of your laggard, which is I'm going to wait to see what other people do. And then I'll come to the market later because I don't want to hurt my brand where other people want to push their brand forward. The market is mostly 40 and below, but it looks like very 20s heavy from the social media aspect. It's sort of like understanding the demographics that your brands are in and whether or not this is a good thing. There is a lot of FOMO around the utility aspect. Do you believe the utility is the most important cutting edge aspect? Where do you place your priority when it comes to an NFT project? I think the NFT is a very broad church. It's actually a technology term that talks about the fungibility of an asset. And then it's been used in collectibles. It's been used in communities. It's been used for music. It's been used for things because it's uniquely identifies an asset. But at the same time, we may see NFTs as a term feed in the next bill run. And we might see new terms, which Mm. more accurately describe the use cases of the NFTs. I believe NFTs are evolution, not necessarily a revolution that some people profess it to be. And I think what it does is it allows us to deliver business value cheaper, which is sort of the innovation phases that we've seen over the last 30 years. You think about the first mobile phone app you had on your phone. My first app was a beer drinking app where you just turned it up like this and it, and it looked like you drunk <laughs> No wonder you're working on a, a beer-related project. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Beer on another one was like a, was a fart. A generally, you press buttons and it made different fart noises. Yeah. Like, these were not necessarily sophisticated systems, but a lot of people bought them and a lot of people experimented with them. One of the first apps on the app stores was a light function because they didn't have a light function. You press the button to turn the light on. And these things evolve over time. Nearly every business has a mobile phone app now. It almost mm. powers the most of the economy. Any mobile worker has nearly all got mobile phones. We do most of our interactions on mobile phones. And it is sort of dominated interactions on the internet now from a point where people would say, why do I even want an app store? I don't need that. I can just make texts and calls. These innovation cycles are not necessarily clear where they're going to get to. But what you notice is people trying to use it at the start. And sometimes it's clunky, but there's still people wanting to use it and pushing through this, which shows that there's something there. Will the blockchain be as big as mobile phones? I think it's going to be bigger. I think it's going to be huge. The fact that we can have economic value on the internet means that I don't need PayPal and I don't need Visa and I don't need all these other intermediates who are all taking a slice of the action, which then makes it the profit margin for small transactions. But when we come to crypto, we can actually have some low-cost transactions. I believe that it's the next big evolution of technology, and we're still early at how do we apply it to businesses. The first use case we're seeing is basically communities. And collectibles are the two big ones. And art, because I actually buy one of one art pieces as well, which I quite like. Oh, nice. Yeah. 
So you mentioned the big collections and identity. When it comes to like Border Yacht Club, for example, for people that aren't in the space, how do you explain and capture the feeling of someone who's in one of those communities? To me, it very much depends on your age demographic and what's important. So as a more elder gentleman, I would <laughs> remind people that you've got a pool room, mate. You're sitting here complaining about NFTs being a waste of time. Let's go to your pool room. Let's have a look at what you've got up on your walls. This is not that different. You've just collected memorabilia mm-hmm. and you've plastered your space with that memorabilia. You see NFT galleries where you can like create these and you can bring these assets with you as part of your definition of self and style. So I see that over and over. Most people stop because they can't fit too much into their room. The internet is infinite. So you can, you yeah. can have a lot more and you can actually collect as many as you like. And does that work when you're challenged? Does that argument bridge the gap? It does and it doesn't. It depends. Most people's, their argument isn't the first thing that comes out of their mind. They've got some pre-existing knowledge. Most people's experiences are just get-rich-quick schemes. It's sort of like, buy now, and this thing's going to the moon. And that is this tribalism, which I'm not a fan of personally, because I think that while it hypes up a bunch of people inside the community, it scares off the majority of new entrants. I think the problem most people see, they just see scams and they get the news coverage and they see the rug pulls. But then I remind them, look in your spam folder of your email. We're not talking about banning emails. If Google didn't block spam, you'd have like a thousand to one spam messages to a valid email. And I'm getting spam text messages. I get spam calls. Mm. No one's talking about banning those things at the end of the day. And because it looks like there's easy money, then the scammers come. Some projects don't work, but it's like startups. I'm a startup guy and 90% of all startups feel really as a four out of five businesses feel in the first three years. So starting something new is hard. And a lot of these projects that you see are trying to start some project or something, and it's got a very high failure rate. So I think people need to be more realistic in their expectations, but most of them aren't. They're just trading. They're not investing for the long term. So for me, it's sort of educating people. If somebody's telling you that this NFT is going to go to massive, you don't get all these returns, start getting doubtful. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. That's like a very common rule of thumb. Is that in crypto and Web3 or is that in any industry that's emerging? I'd say it's in any industry that's emerging. Most investors into startups lose money on the majority of them. I have got 200 NFTs, but probably only 10 of them I could actually sell for any money and have a profit on. And that 190 are going to zero. And it's not like I bought that NFT for a financial return reason. I may have bought it because I wanted to support that person and what they were doing. In Australia, we're relatively a laggard in adoption. We're more worried about the perception of failure rather than the benefits of success. You already see it in other markets. Starbucks, for example, have done a partnership with a company that's going to be doing NFT-based loyalty programs. And it's a blended mechanism as well. Some people don't even know that they're getting NFTs because it's in their app and then they can mint it to the blockchain, which I think is fascinating. There's so much in NFTs. I could probably talk to about it for ours and all the different variations that can be used for digital rights media. I bought a, a song from Snip Dog that gives me full rights to remix, use the acapella. And I'm like, this is so much nicer because you generate content, you need to get striked by YouTube and all of that will get resolved as well. How long have you been in the space? And if you could go back to that version of Darren, what one piece of advice would you give him? Stop buying so much beef jerky with your Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I sold my initial Bitcoin at $480. Thought I was clever as. And I spent probably two or three Bitcoin on beef jerky over the years. 
But back then, I didn't know if it was going to be worth anything because I'm a startup guy. I sold all my crypto and put it into a startup, Web2 startup, which didn't actually work at the end of the day. So concentrated bets are good if they if they work, but if they're not, if they don't. I've been running the Gold Coast blockchain meetup now for two years. I've been a member since 2018. I wish I had bought a CryptoPunk. I didn't pick one up because I couldn't find one that I liked. Ooh, uh, and they were, they were like 200 bucks at the time. Spoiled <laughs> for choice. So you're like, I'm not going to get one of these because don't like them. <laughs> Whereas now you're just like, I love them all. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'll take any. Now I was like, God, why the hell was I so picky? <laughs> Should I just pick one up? <laughs> I think one of the things is have a psychology about not to chase stuff because mm. that's when you get into the FOMO and you make bad decisions. We're very early. Opportunity will avail itself again. I think putting small amounts of money in, understanding that you're going to lose that money and it's okay to lose that amount of money and you look at it as I'm learning this space would be my best advice. Not to like focus on financial returns but to focus on, let's just get into it. Let's just buy something. Let's just have, get into one of these communities. Please note, that was not financial advice. I bought one recently called Not Your Bro, which is around females and non-binary. That's not me, but I just liked what they were doing. I would like to help you. Crypto, I donated to the Ukrainian government directly. And I thought that that was amazing because if you know how charities work, there's nearly like 60% of the money disappears from your hand to the end recipient, just in the chain of people involved in collecting that money. And the fact that I was able to just donate money directly into the Ukrainian government's wallet, you can do whatever you want with this. I know people may agree or disagree on my donations, but the point is more the directness, not what it was. Yeah. That is stuff that people don't really understand, especially if you're inside Australia, for example, or inside the U.S., you have such a good system of finances and protections that you're not aware what it's like in the rest of the world, or you're not aware about inter-border or inter-financial things. For example, I used to get paid out of the US and lose nearly 500 bucks a month just in middlemen in receiving the money. So taking the money from the US to Australia, we'd probably lose something like three to $400 in fees. Oh, there's a fee to transfer. There's a fee to receive. Why am I paying all these fees? I shouldn't pay all these fees. And now... I can get paid in USDC, USDT, US dollar equivalent, and it can be in my wallet within a couple of seconds. And then I can take it to an exchange, convert it into US dollar and cash out if I want. Okay, so now on to my two favorite segments. Myth busting. What is one of the biggest myths around either Web3, crypto, NFTs, and how can you totally bust it right now as not being true? The biggest one I would say is people say it's a, a revolution. And I say it's not a revolution, it's just an evolution. Such a quotable quote. Well, it is. I haven't heard anyone else say it. People don't understand that most assets are already digital. It's just held in the bank's database. And what the blockchain does is it just takes it out of a private entity and puts it into public space. So you've got a network that gets charged fees for processing to deliver this service for everybody else. Most of the stuff that you think you own is on an asset register already. But that register might be a piece of paper. And all the blockchain is doing is just taking that from the ownership of an individual and bringing that up into a transactional log that we can all sort of see and search and look after. But why are you paying $15,000 for the government to say that you're converting a land ownership from one person to another? That should be a five cents transaction. The point that I would make is this is just the next evolution. And I think it's going to win for a very simple reason, which is going to be cheaper and better than the existing systems of ownership management. And companies will come and they will offer those services and people will switch over because of the cost destruction and they won't even know. So I think that most people will get into crypto and they'll even be sitting there saying, 
I told you crypto was never going to work. And their entire <laughs> life is on crypto reels. And they will not even know. Amazing. Stay safe from scams. What is the best advice you can share to help people stay safe in this brand new world? So apart from if it's too good to be true, it probably is. So I have two real bits of advice. One is have a buddy and ask them if they think it's a good idea. And normally having that second conversation to verify what you're doing is correct um, gives you a bit of breathing room and it gives them someone else who understands the space to have that conversation. And if you haven't got one, there's plenty of places on the internet to find them and have conversations on Discord or Twitter or a local meetup group and meet someone that you vibe with who can have conversations of similar interests. And the second piece of information is safe minting. You can have as many wallets as you like. You don't have to have just a singular wallet. I have two what you would call hot wallets connected to my browser on the internet. One, which is my main one, which is darrenrogan.eth. And you can go to OpenSea and see a bunch of NFTs. But my more valuable NFTs are on a cold hardware wallet. But I have a second wallet which is my safe minting wallet. And in my MetaMask, I've named them. Um, one's, you know, Darren Rogan. But you know what the second one's called? It's called my condom wallet, right? <laughs> That's what it's called. And it's because I practice safe minting and I transfer funds into this wallet that holds nothing the rest of the time and it only, it only has enough money, a couple hundred bucks or whatever in it. And I go to some random website I don't know, I connect my wallet and I do my action. And then if I like the NFT, I transfer it to my main wallet. Mm. And that alone means if you were to be compromised you would lose very little because you've only lost what's in the condom wallet and that is just two clicks on your metamask it does add a little bit more expense because you've got a couple of fees to transfer funds between but the biggest thing that we've seen is that you connect to a bad website like a scam website that looks like you're minting something board eight for one eighth yeah. which is obviously not real, but people still code and they do it and they click the button. But if you just use that condom wallet, you would severely limit your losses. A condom wallet. Okay, amazing. Well, what a note to finish on. <laughs> Literally call condom because I'm like, all right, put it on because it's easy to remember the name. And it's a very good deterrent. It is. It is. Safe minting. I noticed that at CryptoCon, I loved what you said about having your own .eth domain, which is super important as well, right? I think you'll see that come. So that's the ENS, the Ethereum name service. If you think about the internet today, a URL is for people. It's not for machines. It gets converted into this six-digit number, which is what we call an IP, and that's your address on the internet. On a blockchain, every wallet has an address, which is a long string of numbers, but it's very hard to read and very easy to make a mistake. So ENS is like a URL. So I have one called darrenrogan.eth, and that's connected to my wallet. So you can send me funds directly, and in those funds, you can then just type that in. I think that makes the usability so much easier, and I think that's important. And it doesn't hurt to capture your own ENS name if you can get it. I was going to say, is the race for ENS names can we rewind the clock to 15 years when everyone was fighting for their domains? Is that a similar sort of trajectory? That is happening already. I was looking at uh, renewing my private health. Yeah. And when I was doing it, I ended up picking up hcf.eth because they were one of the companies and I just typed, oh, that one's available. I'll buy that one. Yeah. Now, domain squatting is what it was called before. ENS squatting can be actually even more expensive because the shorter the domain, the more expensive it is to renew. And the longer the domain, the cheaper it is. And then there's numbers and there's things that people think are going to be valuable. But most of the great ones are gone, just to yeah. be clear. But ENS, I think, will become more and more important as more and more people want to use the network. Yeah. And it makes it easier for people. All right. So I'm going to jump off here and go and buy my jordanab.eth. <laughs> yeah, check it out. 
Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your wisdom. Not a problem. And the quotable quote and the pro tip about Disney being the next Disney of the next Disney of the next Disney. And I loved the analogy with Bluey. So I yeah. think your kids would be proud if they listen back to that. Not a problem. I might just do a plug if you're interested in NFT news. I run a, a news a Twitter called Oz NFT Network. And in there, it's a no-shill education place. And I'm giving away some free NFTs from time to time as well. We don't do pet sponsorship. It's more about education and the ecosystem rather than us being a promoter. I'm just passionate about the ecosystem and making sure that when people come in, they don't get washed out and taken advantage of. I want you to come in because I believe that this is the place where wealth will be generated over the next decades. And I'm a big wacky guy. We're all going to make it. Yep. And I think it's important for people like me to help people come into the space. So check that out. And I'm also on Twitter at, at Darren Rogan, constantly giving silly posts. <laughs> silly is good. Fun is good. That is what we need. Absolutely. Too many people are too serious. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Not a problem. Thanks for having me on. Darren is super passionate with a lot of knowledge to share. And as I said at the start, he is a futurist. So when Disney becomes the next Disney of the next Disney, remember that you heard it here first from Darren. To connect with Darren directly and for more information on Darren and the Oz NFT network, please check out the show notes below. If you enjoyed today's show, please leave a rating and a review. As a brand new podcast, it would mean the absolute metaverse to me. That would be wonderful. To see video content and other fun snippets from our interview, please come and say hi to me across my social media accounts, all of which are listed below in the show notes. And thank you again so much for your time. I'll see you next episode.